Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. It's so funny. I feel like at the beginning of every berry season, we're like, man, this one's really darker than the last one. And, but, it, it, but it does keep getting darker. Um, yeah. I've seen all of it except for the finale. Oh, and wow. Oh. It goes to some wild places. Ooh. The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Well, that was Jen Cheney taunting us with her knowledge of Barry, and I cannot imagine how that show is possibly going to conclude. And uh, I'm hooked, so uh, I imagine we'll be talking about Barry today. Hello, everybody. I'm Arch Campbell, and this is the podcast that tries to keep you up with the ever-changing world of entertainment. The great producer-director, Lou Katz is steering the ship today. Aground. I'm steering it aground. <laughs> That's like the Edmund Fitzgerald. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. That's, oh. That's going to come up. Lou and I went to an old car show Saturday. We looked at cars and uh, nice. remembered. And so uh, that was nice. Yeah. But this is today. Today we reunite our bi-coastal all-stars on the East Coast from WTOP Radio, the entertainment maven, Jason Fraley. All right. Jason. Hey, thanks for having me back. Always love when you're on the podcast. And on the West Coast in L.A., the entertainment reporter and film professor, Oliver Jones. Welcome, Oliver. It's great to be back. I feel like I haven't been here for a long time, Arch. I wasn't sure if you'd dump me for some you know, better... <laughs> West Coast correspondent with, with two working eyes. I just thought you were on strike. Oh, <laughs> oh, well, days young. Let's start with that. Actually, Oliver, you're on the West Coast, and uh, evidently the writers have gone on strike. So I guess we won't be seeing Colbert tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are they saying out there? What's it sound like? Well. You've been through strikes before, right, Arch? I oh, mean, yeah, sure. you know what the mood is like. It's uh, it's never good. Everyone is always tense. At the same time, right, we're we're talking nationally about these issues uh, that have been uh, underground for a long time, and and it's shining a national spotlight on it. So, in that respect, you know, it means obviously to all of us, you know. Writers are the backbone of we, we can't do this podcast without writers. Uh, um, I certainly can't be a critic without a writer. So right. uh, I, I'm really glad that that we're shining a, a, a spotlight on it and looking at their issues. Uh, and uh, but this is a, obviously a tense time. It's all it always rains when there's a strike in Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, and um, right now uh, it looks really gloomy outside. Uh, so um, I don't know if that means that. God is not a union man in L.A. Uh, he, he runs an open shop over here, but uh, it always rains in Los Angeles during a strike. Yeah, but it, the issue is streaming and uh, the, the end of broadcasts uh, and the end of uh, of the season that went from September to May. And uh, and nobody, everybody wants to keep the money and nobody wants to share the money. And, and also making, you know, uh, the production companies want to make um, – all the writers basically contract players, day players, uh, rather than give them staff positions. Uh, and um, and this is going on across the industry, and in, you know, not just in in the writing, uh, in acting, and um, in 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 many different areas. So this is a 
this is a huge uh, uh, line in the sand. And uh, and again, I, I'm it's never a good day when uh, when anyone goes on strike. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm glad that we're having these conversations. And when was uh, the last when was the last one? Was it like 15 years ago? or Yeah, something? it was 15 years ago. Yeah. Oh, seven. Yeah. And what was the what was the fallout from that? I mean, what did reality TV take a spike in the in the aftermath of that? Or, you know, what, what can we extrapolate? Well, and and there was one in 88, too. Right. I, I, I think that um, I mean, we've had a cosmic shift in, in how this content is distributed. And I think, um, you know, that we need to have a contract that reflects that. And also, I mean, boy, this is just a, a such a tense time uh, nationally and certainly in media. It just feels like the only conversation right now in media is regarding layoffs and, and job loss. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm hoping that the conversation changes over the summer. What's this going to do to the movies? We'll see. I mean, um, I, I, television is obviously where all the focus is right now. Uh, movies uh, take longer to make and. There's lots of movies that haven't come out because, you know, that, that have been waiting to come out for, for various uh, COVID and things getting back on their feet. So I think we'll see the effect much quicker in in uh, television. And hopefully by the time they have a major effect on movies, we'll have resolved these issues. But who knows? And what's well. wild to me is a lot. We're hearing about all these, you know, seeing all these strike headlines this, at the same time, you know, social media and Twitter and everything is a buzz with all of this uh ominous uh, things about ai is, is ai gonna write stuff at the same time right real human flesh oh. and blood writers are going on strike i don't like the the juxtaposition that <laughs> scares me well i'll tell you what you know put a million ais in a room they'll never come up with Mad Men. Exactly. uh you know yeah. they'll never they'll never come up with breaking bad you know um uh only humans can do that They'll never write AI. <laughs> no, seriously though, like screenwriting has been criminally underrated, um, you know, sinfully underrated back yeah. for since the yeah. beginning. You know, I, and maybe we could pin some of that on auteur theory, which you know, I I still love. I, I love that the the director gets gets the credit and shapes the vision and all that stuff. Um, but the writer, man, you can't make any of these any of these masterpieces without without a great screenplay it just doesn't exist you know i think you you could make a you could you could have a not great director but a great script and it would still be a good movie but i don't think you could have you could have a, the best director in the world but if you don't have a good script it ain't gonna work it's always been recognized that in television the writing is king and the writer is king yeah. and that the, the director does not rule there yeah. uh, and um and you know we've become a television based society right i mean yeah uh, yeah uh television is what is our lifeblood now so um Sounds no. to me like the writer is surf, <laughs> not king. So, hey, right. speaking of that, what are you watching? Let's start with you, Oliver. What are you watching? Oh, my gosh. Last night I watched um, the White House Plumbers, and I just laughed and laughed and laughed. Oh, good. We now work for the committee to reelect the president. <laughs> Your new mission is to make sure he wins this election. We'll intercept confidential information of the radical left. What's the plan? We're going to hit the DNC at the Watergate. Howard, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's so wonderful to see, especially after... Um, a very a bleak season of Perry Mason concluding to see a, a well-made historical that's a comedy, uh, you know, that's that's um about God, what idiots these guys were. Uh, <laughs> and um and of course, it gives me a special joy uh, to uh, see um Justin Thoreau 
have a chance to have such a nutty part like this. Um, you know, Justin grew up in Washington, D.C. He went to um, Lafayette and to uh, Waldorf, Washington Waldorf, and to the field school and um, uh, was a good friend of mine as a kid. And And to see him get this chance to sort of have his Nick Cage role, you know, where he really gets to go a little crazy. Wait, uh, you were friends with Justin Thoreau? Oh, yeah, yeah. We Whoa. went to together. The, the, the Leftovers, Justin Thoreau. That's he's the one. Yeah. Gordon Liddy, and he's yeah, he got plays... the, the largest production mustache I've ever seen. <laughs> well, he's basically doing the voice of um, Mr. Peterman from, uh, from <laughs> Seinfeld. Uh, it's a riff on Mr. Peterman, uh, his, uh, his character. Uh, the and, very uh, pants I was returning. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's absolutely hilarious. Um, there were some points uh, that I just almost fell over laughing. I mean, I, I just and and I, I wish we could see more absurd historic comedies. And what is it? That's HBO, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Started, HBO started... is really they have upped their game. There's so many good things on HBO suddenly. By the yeah. way, I got rehooked on Succession. How about you guys, Archie? I was I was with you that are in like you know what the end of last season. Done I or mid, it. Yeah, yeah. I, it got Done. repetitive. But yeah. now that it now that they've said it, we we set an end date, I feel like they're double timing to make up for it. And so I'm back. I'm back in. This season has got me. Uh, do you think maybe the season will end with uh, the brothers broke and <laughs> out on the curb? And- <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, th- at driving least driving the company off a cliff. This most recent episode was interesting because it opened. You know, you you yeah. saw Logan yeah. Roy's face, and I was like, "Wait a minute, is he coming back?" But then they pull out, and he's just on a video screen. But in terms of the kids, yeah, like Roman seems to, you know, Kieran Culkin's character seems to be losing. He's cracking a little, you yeah. know, listening to that that uh, voicemail Maybe in the car. The brothers will be broke, and Shiv will uh, be in charge of everything with her uh, old husband and. I think I, so. I didn't no. think I would be rooting for them to get back together. I sort of like, you know, was rooting for them to break up for so long. But this last episode sort of pulled a, a magic trick with the way it was written and performed that we were kind of like, well, wait a minute. Maybe they are going to get back together. That's a nice switcheroo, I think. You know, I did like Perry Mason a lot on HBO, the second uh, uh, season of it. And uh, and I actually looked up the Perry Mason that HBO is putting together is true to the original novels. It's, you know, uh. we think of the Raymond Burr uh, breakdown on the stand. I did it. I did it. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, really I really have enjoyed it too, uh, Arch, especially the period evocation of my oh, yeah. uh, new hometown. Uh, and also the, the, the peculiar machinations of um, Los Angeles power, you know, um, and, and this show uh, is in the tradition, uh, I think, of, of Chinatown and just yes, showing, yes, you know, yes. the way things work politically in um, in Los Angeles. But I, I have to say, it kind of drives me crazy that they do uh, a write-up in the New York Times of that week's Perry Mason. I'm just like imagining our, my grandparents, you know, like being told one day that the that the New York Times would breathlessly file a report <laughs> what happened on last night's Perry Mason. <laughs> this is what we consider news for the for the New York Times. <laughs> I'm like, isn't it supposed to be some kind of blog that's supposed to do this? You know, oh the, the my God. <laughs> Very strange. Well, can we get into Barry? Because yeah. I am just blown away by Barry. And every week, 
I just, you know, I practically faint on the couch when the episode ends. Every week it goes to some new crazy place, and I'm just, I'm loving it. Especially this most recent one. Uh, we won't oh, spoil it, but God. there was a bit of like, a, what would we say, like a flash forward where you're like, whoa, wait a minute. All right, is this a dream or is this, are we actually seeing how it's going? Um, Arch, when I was watching this one, I thought of this podcast because there was a line you might remember. <laughs> Cristobal told uh, Noho Hank, he said, he said, this is what happens when you hire two guys with a podcast. <laughs> and I thought of you. Yes. Too. <laughs> That's where he got his criminals. Exactly. The Bergman hit will happen today, and I got two of my best guys on it. Uh, Nestor and uh, Chewy Flores. Wait a minute. You mean the guys from the podcast? Yes, but it won't interfere with their schedule. They, they record on Thursdays. Um, and uh, I don't know if you're watching Oliver, but there was a nice uh, Coda cameo here. Uh, Sean oh, Hedinger, oh, yes. the director. That oh, was real. That was really cool. She was like, "Yes, oh. I, I, you know, I, I directed <laughs> after winning the Oscar for Coda. I thought I would be directing this superhero cape. It's, it's really funny. <laughs> That's great." Oh, Arch, no. th that scene in the um uh, again, it's hard to not spoil, but there was like a scene in some in sand, almost like a silo. Sand. It reminded me of um, remember in Harrison Ford and in, in Witness when he yeah. unleashes uh -huh. the silo yeah. and the grain Born crushes the guy. It kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I never I'm... looked at corn silos again after that. <laughs> well, you may never look at the beach. If yeah. you see the latest episode of Barry, do I, Oliver, am I getting a sense? I feel like this podcast has turned into an HBO. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 we should get sponsorship. Come on, if we're going to keep talking about one network. Aren't they going to drop the HBO and just label it Max? Did I read something Max, like that? Yeah, yes, Max, yes, Max. Max. Which Every I don't agree I with. Do. HBO has such a strong brand yeah. over the last 25 years. Max will be your monthly charge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every time I, I I hear that and I hear the word Max, all I can think of is Barbara Feldon on um Get Smart. Yeah. You know, the way yeah. she's like, oh Max. Uh, I, I was so in love with her as a kid. Um, so it's like a it's like a word that that still makes my heart go pitter patter. But that's only because of Barbara Feldon. So uh, Oliver, uh, are you still following movies? I I suppose I I can start this. I love them with all me. my heart. Uh, <laughs> Arch, I will. I will follow them down to the dark depths of hell. Uh, the uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie has surpassed $1 billion in <laughs> estimated global box office receipts. Not sure if you know who I am, but I'm about to rule the world. Wow, uh, yay. But there's one problem. There's a human has a mustache just like you. The, the last <laughs> time uh, I I played uh, video games, uh, it was uh, the Donkey Kong machine at a pizza place in Georgetown, and I was about thirteen. Uh, that's a whole uh, segment of pop culture that has uh, has missed me. Um, and you remember who was throwing the barrels at Donkey Kong? It was oh, yeah. early Mario. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, but I'm thrilled that, that that people are going to movie theaters and seeing uh, and, and seeing a movie, even when it's a Super Mario Kart or whatever that movie is. I missed that one, Arch. I try to catch most of them.
I gotta correct myself. It was it was Donkey Kong throwing the barrels at, at Mario. I know. We were Mario. I flipped it. <laughs> yes. We hopped the barrels. How dare I? But <laughs> so Oliver, I grew up playing all the other Mario games. Like I remember it well on the, the original Nintendo, and you had to blow on the cartridge to get it to work and it yeah. <laughs> all this stuff. But I have not seen the the new one. I, I'm not really like that excited to see it, but I assume did you actually see it, Oliver? No, no, I haven't seen um that one. Um I have seen the new Guardians of the Galaxy, though. My review. Oh well, uh, today. that's the um, next one I'm going to. I mean, yes, uh, I so, do uh, love the humor and the uh, the inside jokes of that series, and uh, it must still be sustaining. Well, it 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 has it it has the jokes are hit and miss. It's got wonderful songs, right? That's the other thing that you look for mm-hmm. in this series. Um, this this film is a um origin story for rocket raccoon um and Ooh. is basically um he provides the emotional through line for it um i i thought it was okay i didn't love it i i to me the um the relationships were sort of uh, reduced down uh to a simplistic like he's our friend you know and 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 and, and earlier uh incarnations the, the relationships had been more sort of complicated and interesting um if you enjoy those Guardians of the Galaxy movies, you will enjoy this one. Uh, it and and it it didn't feel as um, weighted uh, and sort of uh, cumbersome as the last few uh, Marvel films ha- uh, have felt for many. Yeah, there there was a certain like under underdog charm to that that gang in the beginning, you know. Yeah. yeah. Twenty fourteen. Not not to mention the awesome mixtapes that you're talking about. Um, but they are yeah, like it was like a ragtag bunch that we rooted for. Um, although I will say that like they they're they're um advertising this as volume three, uh, you know, to close out a quote trilogy. But if you add in all the other appearances they made in Avengers Endgame, <laughs> right. and Infinity, it's probably like fifth or sixth time we've seen him in the last nine years. And so that is kind of my I, I don't blame people if there is a little fatigue on that, even if it was like a you know, a group we rooted for in the beginning. Well, I, I and yeah, I, I think mean, the our... volume three par- uh partially right is a tribute to James Gunn, uh, you know, who wrote and directed uh all three films and his particular vision uh, yeah. for this for this volume of stories, which yeah. is sort of like itself a sort of graphic novel type right. of collection. And, and, and I, I, I thought the trilogies had given way to uh, eight or ten episodes. Right. <laughs> like, what's this, coming this up? Movie, Fast uh, X. <laughs> this movie felt like a uh, like a comic book. You know, felt more comic bookish. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, there's um, there's lots of um, talking animals in it for example um what's your standout needle drop in this one because that's the oh, best part of these yeah, if you ask yeah. me well there's lots of good ones it begins with um radiohead's creep an acoustic version and i'm a creep i'm a And the last song that's played over the credits is um badlands by bruce springsteen the denouement is um, is uh, Florence and the Machine. The dog days are over. Um, the one problem with this, of course, um, is that all of this music is supposed to come from his Microsoft Zoom, and most of those songs came out after they had discontinued the Microsoft Zoom. Uh, uh, so there's no way for them to have appeared uh, on, on that device. Dang those anachronistic uh, songs. There you go. <laughs> well, your 1955 Plymouth. 
Exactly. Yeah, the 55 Plymouth. In Oliver, you mentioned Radio's Creep. My favorite use of that song was not, um, do you remember in the social network trailer? It was like a Vega boys choir saying, yeah, I don't care right. if it hurts. I want to have control. Like, and the way it's showing Mark Zuckerberg's uh, apparatus of uh, social media behemoth, I thought it was right. perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I was at the movies and saw the trailer for Polite Society, which I did not go to see. But immediately when I saw it, I thought, here we go. Here we go. Now it's just going to be a parade of knockoffs of everything everywhere all at once. Is this another thought, multiverse kind of a thing? Or what, uh, what, you, what know, do you say? It's wedding and they're jumping around and kung fuing and kidnapping I, 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 each other and. I'm gonna. I, I'm just gonna smack back your cynicism here, like the Green Bay Combo. Uh, and I'm just gonna wave my you. You wouldn't smack an old today. man, would you? You can't see it, but he's waving his finger like the Kembe Matumbo right now. Uh, uh, no Hoyas. But the um, uh, I saw this movie out of Sundance, and it's fun. Um, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and it's it's a, it's a movie like a lot of these films that um, try to string. Uh, a lot of kung fu action around a, a, a family connection, and uh, I, to me, it was more. Um, I liked it better than everything, uh, everywhere, all at once. Uh, and uh, I don't. Yeah, think I think we've all agreed that none of us liked it. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I liked it. Other people <laughs> liked it. Certain things about oh, it, but yeah. <laughs> Boy, I'm glad there's 3,000 miles between us. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you take your daughter to Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret, or is she just well beyond that? No, I don't think I'm well beyond it, and she certainly isn't either. Uh, no, I'm very excited to see that. That's, a, that. that's top on my list. Are you there, God? It's me. Margaret. I'm here to speak to you today about your changing bodies. The blood is released through the vagina. We must! We must! We must increase our body! I haven't seen it yet and I'm feeling um I'm feeling bad about it. Have, have did you guys did you see it? My wife really wanted to see it, and then uh, the the day rolled around, she said, Ah well nah. I got something else to do. On the opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum, I have to recommend the um the movie uh, Sisu, which is like a, a Finnish Rambo movie. It's a, one of the most violent films, uh, but it is wonderfully well done. And it reminded me of the feeling that I had as a um, 12, 11 year old watching um, uh, Rambo or First Blood. It's a movie where the hero doesn't speak a single word until the last frames of the film. Um, and it, it's, it's, it feels like, um, it feels something like pure cinema, you know? I mean, again, it, very, very violent, but so well done. It, it's my pick for action movie, at least of, of the summer, even though the summer hasn't begun yet. What's um, it called? What's it called, Oliver? Sisu, S-I-S-U. Right. And it's playing in D.C. I highly recommend it for those who like action movies. You know, in the vein of... The Equalizer films are John Wick, uh, mm. but he, um just more streamlined. So this yeah. is your RRR was your action last yeah, year. This yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm going to do it again. Um, <laughs> gotcha. This, this is a Finnish movie, uh, and it's um, Finnish. 
It's really, um, I mean, if you like violent action movies okay. and like, yeah. let's, if you like to see lots of Nazis die. Uh, <laughs> Who doesn't? Uh, well, <laughs> really jerky Nazis die yeah. in unusual yeah. and, and um, uh, ways. Uh, and I got to say, it was just so satisfying. And it, and it just, uh, it stuck my sweet spot as a, um, as, as someone who, uh, was whose life I can say whose whose life was changed by by uh, seeing Rambo on the mountainside in in um in First Blood and then mm. it made so many Rambo movies since then none of them have been good. This is a movie that follows in the tradition of Rambo the way it should have been followed from the very beginning. Cool. Well, now you have wow. you have me sold. Okay. I'm going to check that All out. Right. Um, I'll throw into thanks for that, Oliver. I'll throw into the mix. Uh, Peter Pan and Wendy is the most recent one I watched. Uh, on Disney Plus, it's the the latest. Really? You know, they've been they've been doing all of those uh live action versions mm -hmm. of the animated ones. Um, which I thought, by the way, before I get into it, I thought it was in interesting that they would try to release that and Little Mermaid at the same summer. Like, can't we just like pick one oh. <laughs> one a year or something? But after I after I watched it, I could kind of see why they went straight to streaming with this one and saved Little Mermaid, hoping that'll do better theatrically. Because this one, well, I, it's the it's directed by David Lowry, you know, who did a Ghost Story and The Green Knight and mm -hmm. Heat's Dragon. So I was actually curious yeah. how how it would turn out. But um, I gotta say, the kid that they cast as as Peter Pan was like off-putting to me in this one like he doesn't ever crack a smile he sort of glides around um the fight scene sort of unnaturally like there's some great swashbuckling moments that could have been with um jude law's captain hook um but it the fight scene it doesn't feel like um an, an actual action he sort of like glides very unnaturally to me almost like you can tell he was on a wire but most it's not really that it's the kid he doesn't really emote when the girl that plays wendy is great uh, Jim Gaffigan is Mr. Smee. Like, there's a lot of elements where, like, it was all, it could have been a good movie, but uh, and I hate to uh, criticize child actors, but so for some reason, the kid, the kid was not doing it for. <laughs> what did they do about the Tinkerbell in this version? How, how did they handle Tinker Tinkerbell? Uh, it it is uh, similar, like you said, it doesn't talk to the very end. <laughs> kind of, kind of a similar thing. Um, it it is a Tinkerbell of color this time, so you know it's not Julia Roberts, but it's more um. And we, we we don't clap to bring Peter Pan back we or don't? anything. Oh well, there's your problem right there. <laughs> he was flying. A little bug did it. I don't think that's a bug. She is a fairy. Are you Peter Pan? Were you expecting someone else? It was better than Ben Zeitlin's Wendy. Do you remember that in 2020? I did yeah, not. Yeah, I hate. Yeah, I really yeah, did not like that yeah, one. Yeah. Um, this one it's slightly better than that. Um, but, uh, I, 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 I grew up watching, you know, the Mary Martin, the filmed Broadway where they would film yeah, the Broadway yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, she was so the big smile and crow, I got a crow and I won't grow up. Did, All, they, like, do, do, they, do they include the songs? Uh, not those songs. There's a couple, there's a couple new songs. Oh, like, wow. um, you can hear a little of the Disney animated, like you can fly, you can fly. Like you can hear a little uh -huh, in the music. Uh -huh. There's some. Pirates huh. singing some yo ho yo ho new songs, but you don't you know you don't get the you know following the leaders and all, mm. and all that kind of stuff mm. from, from the either the Disney movie or the Mary Martin one. So, mm. wow. Well, I don't know if that's uh, mixed to negative or I don't know what that is. <laughs> mixed to <laughs> rambling. <laughs> I I get the idea. You're not flying. <laughs> <laughs> I hey I just I didn't want to interrupt Oliver, but Arch, when you were saying. 
when you were saying uh, earlier about are you there god it's me margaret and gina didn't want to yeah, go yeah, i think yeah. we should recall it are you there gina it's me arch uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man and, and there's the documentary on hbo on judy bloom uh that came out of sundance um and uh so so we're having a you know a bloom essence, um, which is, <laughs> which is sort of like in keeping with this week, right? I mean, those were the books that that we read in the back of cars in the 1970s, you know, uh, which will, um, which is very well evoked by that um, White House plumbers, right? And the and the music that was playing on the radio while we were reading those books was Gordon Lightfoot, mm. uh, and oh, that was yeah. what we were uh, hearing well, in the let's... in the back seat of that car, right? Thank you for that wonderful segue, uh, because Gordon Lightfoot has passed away. And what does it mean to us? What do we think? I feel like, you know, he created for my generation, you know, listening to a time when uh, Sundown and, and Edmund Fitzgerald was regularly mm -hmm. placed on the radio. He created little movies for us, you know, little little storybooks that we filled in all the pictures and all the characters and created our own little legends. Uh, based on the way that he told the story, you know, and um, and I had always assumed that the Edmund Fitzgerald had, had happened in the 30s or something. It never occurred to me that it had just occurred. It was in uh, 75, like, yeah, right, and then he, he, he read right about back. it in the newspaper the next day. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, in he has through the years, as we've learned more about the wreck, uh, changed the lyrics to match the facts of the um, of the incident. You know, it was a meticulously fact-checked song, right? Um, and that that is meaningful to me as a, as a journalist and in the line of work that I went to. So, also, it isn't it wonderful to think to, that folk singers once helped us understand and process the news? Yeah, you right. know, uh, and 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 what a what an important role that is, right? I want to yeah. say that this podcast is produced and directed by a soft rock expert. <laughs> expert i don't know about that mr lou katz who was in soft rock radio for 40 years and right. uh, do you have any thoughts on gordon lightfoot you know guys i just remember over the years of being on the air here in washington i remember playing so many of his songs i mean he had uh like three top 10 songs sundown was actually his only number one single in 74 but his first single really stuck with me, if you could read my mind from 1970. I just remember uh, being a kid, just getting my driver's license and driving around downtown D.C. listening to that song on 1390 Weem Radio. This brings back memories. And one of my favorites was uh, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald from the mid-70s. Yeah. R.I.P. Uh, Gordon. I um I know you wouldn't necessarily think I'm you know in the demo for it, but I I, I loved Gordon Lightfoot because my grandfather had Gordon Lightfoot's greatest hits, and I'm not joking. Every time we got in the car, he had to play Edmund Fitzgerald. I've probably heard it about five thousand times, and the storytelling in that, not to mention all the other songs, but the storytelling in that in that song of you know what is it when supper time came, the old cook came on deck, saying fellas. It's too rough to feed you, but then at 7 p.m. the main hatchway gives in, and he says, fellas, it's been good to know. At 7 p.m. the main hatchway gave in, he said, fellas, it's been good to know you. Uh, <laughs> the, way, the way it, like, evolves 
there's like chilling turns of phrases like you know does anyone know where the love of god goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours like that gives well, me and, you know and i think what we're missing is songs that told stories yeah yeah that yeah are not around anymore now speaking of stories hound radio sponsors this podcast and we are on the hound radio internet network and uh Mr. Uh, Katz, uh, take it away. <laughs> well, we're giving away tickets to an Elton John tribute show coming up at the Bethesda Blues and Jazz Supper Club. Check it out. Hound Radio is looking for a few good Elton John fans. The Jets' Elton John tribute band is coming to the Bethesda Blues and Jazz Supper Club Saturday, May 6th. HoundRadio.com right now and register to win tickets. Yes, it's Saturday night, May 6th, and you can be there with Hound Radio. Very quickly, I think we must uh, acknowledge the death of Harry Belafonte, which was widely covered in the press and television, 96 years old. Uh, I'm recalling a terrific documentary on him, I think, that was on uh, Apple TV. Either of you see it? No, I haven't seen that, but I'm glad. Uh, thank you for the recommendation, Arch. I will definitely uh, watch that. That's right up my alley. Um, the, the, again, what, what you were bringing up about uh, um, uh, Gordon Lightfoot, you know, this uh, Harry Belafonte was a favorite singer of my grandmother, a favorite singer of my mm-hmm. mother, and a favorite singer of mine. Uh, and... Uh, and now, you know, um, my my mom has dementia. And uh, whenever I, I could, uh, you know, whenever I put on a Harry Belafonte movie, she stops dead in her tracks and focuses fully on it, you know. Uh, and I can't really get her to focus on too many movies these days. But uh, Harry Belafonte has that pull. And uh, he's meant so much to my to my family, right? And then, of course, he's meant so much to our country. Uh, yeah, and, these... um, well, his his activism you forget i mean i didn't i didn't realize until you know doing the obit on him and reading and everything mm-hmm. i i didn't realize that he put up the money uh to bail mlk out of birmingham jail you know the famous letter from yeah. birmingham jail he, he yeah. got him out of there and helped organize the the march on washington he he participated in the the march from selma to montgomery i mean he was there on the doorstep of of so much history not to mention the music and deo and in the movies, I went back and watched, the day he died, I went back and watched Carmen Jones. So you run out on me. Sure. He can give you a better time than I can. Fancy clothes. Swell company. The whole works. Husky Miller's latest woman. Only that ain't the way it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Dorothy yeah. Dandridge. Yeah. And he never yeah. stopped, you know. He, he used his voice to uh, protest the Gulf War, and he, he continued. Mm-hmm to be, uh, you know, a, a voice for, for peace and for justice. You know, um, he never he never gave it up, even when he, you know, wasn't singing and acting. Uh, somebody's remaking Carmen, I think. Isn't Carmen on the schedule for this summer? And it, 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 it came out. Uh, um, uh, Benjamin Millipede, uh directed a film starring um, uh, uh, the guy from After Sun. Um, yeah, Paul Mescal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Paul, and Paul. one of the actresses from In the Heights. Yeah. It's Carmen. Yeah. I'm looking Melissa forward to Barrera. That. Yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. Toreador. 
Uh, I personally am grieving Barry Humphreys because I met him as Dame Edna two or three times and saw his show at the National Theater, 89 years old. Uh, He was just so funny and just had the, the ability to just look at you and just throw some withering remark at you. Hello, possums! Hello! Oh, it's wonderful to be here in Los Angeles, California. It's breathtaking. I'm so excited. You know, I've done my show, my wonderful show, all over the world, but tonight I'm humbled. Yes, I am humble. Or I would be if I knew how. Yeah, Dame Edna was hilarious, and we um, we watched her on on Ally McBeal. She had her own talk uh-huh. show. She had yeah, one. Yeah. She had a one woman show, and I mean, it's just worth noting. Um, uh, watching a man be hilariously funny in a woman's dress did not force anyone to change their lifestyle choices. Uh, we just we just enjoyed it, and uh, and it was funny. A couple of times when I interviewed him, I made reference to. Uh, what kind of a world is it when uh, men are wearing women's clothing? And uh, he didn't go with it. He actually, he believed he was the character. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, so you know, I salute him. And funny you mentioned that. Literally just today in our closing seconds here, uh, the Tony nominations were announced. I hope you like your Broadway hot. And the Some Like It Hot, the new musical Uh and adaptation of a cross-dressing comedy, Billy Wilder, uh, led the way with 13 nominations. Everything old is is new again. Uh, So I guess we'll just say, you know, I'm a man. Well, no one's perfect. All right. We're running short on time. Let's do some recommendations real quick. I'm going with Barry See It, HBO. It's terrific. I'm going to recommend uh, the new um, Little Richard documentary, I Am Everything. I don't know if it's oh, playing there or not, but, but boy, is it good. Uh, not Can't just wait. as a um, as a biography of a, of a creator of rock and roll, but just as a way of understanding how um, race and gender and sexuality cool. have worked historically in this country. It's really and fascinating. Very quickly, Jason, I guess not Peter Pan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll echo Barry. Um, and then for something different, I'll, I'll there's something on Amazon called Jury Duty. It's like the Joe Schmo show, but for uh, a jur- jurors where it's one juror doesn't know it's real or thinks it's real. Everyone else is in on it. James Marsden plays himself as a random celebrity called for Jury Duty. It's kind of funny. You kind of feel bad for the guy too, but his hundred grand prize uh, makes up. Thanks everybody. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Thanks Luke Cat. Great to we'll see, see you guys. In a couple of weeks. This is the Cats Podcast system where it's not just a podcast but a podcast.